2011, the BAMP, a parenting company in Forbes, woman, did this survey. And the survey says, can we uh, show the slide, please? Thank you. The survey says 20% of working mothers and 28% of stay-at-home moms say they feel sometimes that they are married, but at the same time, they feel like single mothers. Yes, they're married, but they feel like they're single mothers. Why? Because most of their husbands leave to them the parenting of their kids, if not all, most of the parenting. And I think this, is, uh, this happens to, not just in the US, but also here in the Philippines, especially here in our culture. Minsan ang hatian natin, iba, for the men, business and work, or uh, sa career, but some women, bahay, tsaka bata, diba? house and ano, the house and the children, but add to that the challenge also that the women, the mothers also need to work. So, what's the result? Less and less time for the kids. And one article said, if it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention and national emergency. Now, how about Christian families? If we are honest about it, we can see little difference. Even though... Christians, Christian fathers are physically present in our homes. The problem is often we are absentee fathers. Yes, we are fathers who are physically present, but emotionally and spiritually absent. And personally, I'm also guilty of that. We tend to focus more on the work in things outside rather than our children and those that is under our care. But this is the reality. We need men to be good fathers. Our families need us to be good fathers. Our church needs it, our society needs it, and especially our children. And now if you are a follower of Christ, I know you want to be God's kind of fathers. You have the heart to do your best to be intimate, to have that close relationship with your children. But at the same time, you want to honor God as a parent. And so today we are blessed that we are going through this series, Intimacy with the Father. And so for the next few weeks, we will be focusing on this, uh, uh, this topic. And this message is for those, first of all, for those who are new fathers. And this message is also for those who are about to be fathers and for those who have been fathering for many years. And so the title of our message today is Fathering God's Ways. Fathering God's Way. But let me clarify, dear parents, dear fathers, we don't intend that this message be something that would burden you with more guilt or more sense of shame. We don't want to do that. But what we want for this message is for this message to give you hope and help. Our desire is to give you hope to tell you, remind you that there is hope in God, that you can be God's kind of fathers, but also to, be, to give you biblical help and guidance as we study God's word and apply it particularly in fatherhood. And as for mothers and wives among us, what can you learn from this? I hope and pray that this is something that you can uh, learn and apply and particularly know how to best support or pray for your husbands, for the fathers in your house. And for all of us, you may say, I'm not a father, I'm just single, I, I don't have any kids. It's okay, there is something here that you can learn. You know someone who is a father, you can, you, what you learn from here, you can encourage them, you can pray for them about these things. And so the point is all of us can learn something from this topic. Now our main passage for today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 21. The second Corinthians chapter five, verses 14 to 21. Let me read to you this passage. It's quite long, but uh, please, uh, let's go through this and you can, uh, let's flash please the verse in the screen also. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded 
this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come, and now this Things, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their transgressions against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. As God is pleading through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, what does this passage have to do with parenting or with fatherhood? You know, we can learn actually four things that particularly applies to parenting and fatherhood. And actually, the principle that we will learn here, you can also apply it in other areas of your life. But I want us to look into a particular application, how to be God's kind of father and parents. So we'll look at two things, our calling, our message, our limits, and our needs. First is our calling. If you're a father, I believe you know by now that parenting and fatherhood is one of the most challenging responsibilities. Parenting will exhaust you Physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, and even spiritually. You know, every season of parenting is a challenge. There's joy, but at the same time, there are many challenges as well that comes with it. And as fathers, we do so many things. We work hard for our kids when they were young. You wake up, you feed them, you change their diapers, you bathe them. You run after them and pick them up. You, when they grow a bit, you, you handle the sibling fights. You provide for them and discipline them and play with them. And as they grow more and more, we give them opportunities to grow and learn. We correct them. We challenge them. We help them do their homework and so on and so forth. Fatherhood, parenting is challenging. And someone said there's no retirement from being a parent. Now here's the problem, in the middle of our busyness, of our parenting schedule, it's possible to get lost and to get confused. Why are we doing these things? We are running from one activity after another, but then we forget why do we have to do these things. And, and so today is an invitation for all of us to, just to step back and understand the why and the importance of being a father or a parent. Because if not, we will easily feel discouraged, we will feel frustrated, unappreciated, and even overwhelmed, and being uncertain also of what we are doing. Now, let me ask you this question. What is your primary calling as a father? What is your fundamental role as a parent? Think about it. If there is one thing that you should be doing that you should focus on, what is it now based on our passage here is what i want to submit to you there are two basic ways that we can see our calling as a father either you see yourself as an owner or as an ambassador option one you see yourself as an owner option two as an ambassador now if you are an ambassador here is your mindset that you operate here's your perspective I own my children. My children belong to me. That's the owner mentality. And since these children are mine, I can parent them any way I want. I will bring up my children so that they will achieve my goals and my plans for them. That's the owner mentality. As owner, your concern is what you want for your children and from your children. Sadly, that's the reality for many. If not here in church, that's a reality for many uh, families. The parents, they, let, uh, they, they train their children, but they want yung mga unfulfilled dream ng parents, force nila sa anak nila. Of course, with good reason and with good intention. But sadly, that is not how God calls us to be. 
And here's the better option, which is ambassador. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, then we are ambassadors for Christ. You see, if you have this ambassador mentality, you believe that every child belongs to the one who created them. Psalm 127.3 tells us, Behold, children are from the Lord. Children are an inheritance from the Lord and the fruit of the womb a reward. You see, God's kind of parenting starts with this. It is a humble recognition that tells us, that reminds us, our children does not belong to us. They are just gift. They are just entrusted to us. Let me ask you, when are you more careful? If you borrow things or if you own something? If you own a cell phone, siyempre nung bago, di ba? Dahan-dahan, ayaw mo pang ipahiram. But as years go by, you tend to be more lax with it. But imagine, if someone lends you a cell phone, you will be more careful about it. In the same way, if you own a car, sometimes, of course, bago, you, you do your best to take care of it, but over the years, you become more lax. But then, if it's a borrowed car, you make sure that it is well taken care of. And we need to have that kind of mentality as well. We are just the caretakers of the children that God has entrusted to us. And therefore, we should not take parenting into our own hands. Now, what is an ambassador? What is the work of an ambassador? And why is it the best word that, that describes God's calling to us as fathers and parents? Now, let me share with you this definition. An ambassador is an important official sent to a foreign country to represent their nation there. It is a person who represents, speaks for, advertises a particular nation or an organization or group of people or activity or a brand of a particular product. Now here's the point. An ambassador is a representative. Um, an ambassador is a representative. And if an ambassador wants to keep his or her job, what should he do? Of course, he needs to be faithful to the, to the company or to the, to the person that he or she represents. The ambassador cannot just speak his own language or uh, or just move forward with, the, with her own agenda. She is not free to think and speak or act independently or to act on her own interests. Otherwise, she will be fired. She needs to represent well that particular uh, person or group that he or she represents. And now, how does this apply to parenting? Here is an example. If you're an ambassador, here is your mindset. God is the owner, and I am only his representative and caretaker. Every child belongs to the one who created them, and therefore, I need to be careful how I parent them. And with that, God has a plan for my children, and my role is to help them live out for God's purpose, to help them to live out God's purpose in their lives. Did you see the difference? The difference between ambassador and an owner? The owner is more of focus on the self, but the ambassador mentality is focus on God. Now, how do you know if you are acting like an ambassador or an owner? Here's one test, and I want you to consider this also. How do you define success? What's your definition of success? Usually, having an owner mentality defines success in parenting in terms of academic achievement, athletics, musical abilities, social likability, work achievements, or financial status. Now, are these things wrong? Of course not. These things are good. These things are something that we should aim for if it's possible. And there's nothing wrong with having these things. But here's, we need to be, uh, here's what we need to consider. If we limit success only in this area, that's what will happen. We will expect our kids too much from them. Oh, dapat magaling kang mag-instrument, dapat magaling ka sa extracurricular, and so on and so forth. You will, sadly, you will uh, put much pressure on them. During my first year in high school, I have a classmate, and he's, he's on the top of the class, but I find it, him quite weird. Why? Because this is how he speaks. Genesis, can, can I borrow a pencil? 
what's our assignment for tomorrow? I was surprised. I, I was a new student then. Eh. I came from a different school. Wow, why, why do you speak like that? And this is what he's, he said. I don't want to lose my voice. Well, quite, wow, I, I didn't know that. But of course, uh, tried to befriend him and our classmates tried to befriend him. But then I also heard a sad story about his life. You know, when he was growing up, his parents want him to really study well. And of course, he, 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 he studied well and after school, he does his homework. And then when they go out in a restaurant, they will bring his workbook, solve math problems. And sadly, every time he commits a mistake, his parent would just uh, scold him or, or uh, reprimand him of that. So he lives with that kind of pressure. And so again, because for, from, from their, his parents' perspective, grades matter, and it's the ultimate form of success. And so we have to be careful. What is success for us? And what kind of pressure are we putting on our children because our definition of success? Now, let me highlight two more things with regards to parenting. You see, if we focus too much on our children's accomplishment, we won't give them enough time to play and enough time to rest. And now, I'm not talking about gadgets, but I'm talking about free play. The American Academy of Pediatrics wrote this importance about playing. It says that playing, free play, is very important because it helps our children, not just children, but youth, to develop cognitively, physically, and emotionally. It's very good for our children. But sadly today, free play is reduced. Diba no, nung elementary tayo, nagre-recess tayo, takbuhan, ganyan. But right now, wala nang masyadong ganun, no? Why? Because of hurried lifestyle, changes in the family structure, increased attention to academics and enrichment activities. Before, uwian, nakakapaglaro pa tayo, but now, hindi na, diretso na sa kotse or sa school bus and go home, bye-bye. And ang kaluro natin, gadget. And this is a sad reality. Now again, fathers, think about your life and think about your schedule. What does your schedule look like? What does the routine of your children look like? You see, there's this article, there's a book I, that, that I've heard about that says, you know, children right now, there's this phenomenon of adultification of children. Adultification of children in, in means they have so much IQ, but then their emotions are not catching up with that sense, that seemingly uh, image of maturity. And that's quite uh, sad because the children are they're more depressed. The, the stress that, that usually that happens to adults are now being seen in the kids because of the pressure, because of these things that's going on around them. And parents have a major role also in contributing to that. Now again, parents, if we are not careful, we might be focusing or imposing too much on our children. And here's another thing. If we focus too much on our accomplishment, then we will neglect the children's heart condition. Now think about it. Why did God send Jesus on earth? So that he could be successful, so that our children could be successful? Of course not. Christ sent his son, or God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that, based on the verse that we've read earlier, so that we would be reconciled to God. Because that is the ultimate need. That is the ultimate goal. And we have to apply that in parenting. You see, true success in parenting is about valuing what God values most. And what is it that God values most? Our Lord Jesus Christ modeled it to us in Luke 2.52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and all people. Our Christ, Christ our Lord also grew holistically. He grew physically, emotionally, relationally. He grew in his skills, in his knowledge, in his wisdom, in favor with people. But at the same time, equally important, he grew spiritually, in favor with God and have that intimate relationship with God. And so Father God wanted Jesus to be like this. And that is the same true, that is the same thing for us as fathers and parents. You see, here's I want you to remember. Parenting is not about making our children our personal trophies to display our egos, but it's being God's ambassadors. 
God wants us to use, God wants to use us as he has his instruments to help our children grow and mature in life and godliness and to become more like Christ. That is the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate success. It's for our children to love God wholeheartedly, to love others as Christ loves us. That is our calling. Now, what about our message? Here's our message. So then, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is pleading through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, as ambassadors, our primary calling is to align with God's mission, and that is for us, for our children, to be reconciled to God. That is the ultimate mission of God, to be reconciled. Now, why is there a need for reconciliation? Why is there a need for that uh, restoration of relationship? You see, the Bible tells us that all of humanity, including our children, are sinners. And there's that break in relationship with God. You see, sin causes our children to reject God, rebel against Him, and rule over their own lives. And that makes our children and God enemies. This is a reality. And there is that break in that harmonious relationship within the, our children and God. And that break in relationship also impacts our relationship with them and their relationship with others. And the result, our children are headed towards death and destruction. I'm sorry to say this, but that is the reality. Now, some people may say, oh, pastor, you're too serious naman. We should, treat, we should not uh, take that uh, seriously. But here's, I want you to consider. Some people treat sin lightly. And others even laugh and boast about their sinful deeds. And even us in our church, maybe we have that, uh, allergy tayo, we have that allergic reaction when we talk about sin and about uh, that, uh, that uh, somehow negative word. But as followers of Christ, we need to take sin seriously. Why? Because sin is no joke. And sin has serious consequences. And sin is so serious that Christ has to come and to die a brutal death so that we can be saved from the wrath of God. That is how serious sin is. Now, given free reign, every child has the potential to become a monster if sin is not put in check. And this is the reality that Christ tells us. If sin rules our hearts or the hearts of our children, this is what Jesus said. From, from, from within, out of the person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. You see, sin has serious consequences. And if you are a good father, do you want this kind of life for your kids? Do you want them to live immoral lives, to live in greed and pride, or to become wicked? Of course not. We don't want to destroy, we don't want for them to destroy themselves or ruin the lives of other people. And so we need to help them be reconciled to God. And how do we do that? Let me give you three suggestions. The first is talk to them about God, his greatness and goodness. You see, every child born into this world has no awareness of who God is. And so God wants to use us as parents and fathers to point our children to him. And we can have many opportunities to do this. We just have to capture those teaching moments. Now let me share with you some of our experience and some of our learnings. When uh, my wife and I, uh, we, we are actually homeschooling two nieces, Chloe and Paige. When they were young, one time we went to Manila Bay and then we had the, the sunset watching and we used that opportunity to tell them, you know, God is so good, God is so big. God is so creative. He created the sun, but he also created this beautiful sunset. And isn't God amazing? When we're at the beach, we play at the beach, but at the same time, we point into the vastness of the ocean. We are so small. The ocean is so big, but God is greater, bigger than the ocean. And the sea creatures, God created the beautiful fishes, the starfish, but there are more creatures out there, and God is bigger than these creatures. That's how great God is. And one time my wife was having a homeschooling with them and they did the science project of, uh, about the fingerprint. And we used that activity also to point them to say, you know, God is so amazing. He created you in, in his image and you are unique. 
And God is so good and God is so amazing. So what's the point? Look for teaching moments and be creative, especially when your kids are young. Use time for family worship, time to talk about God in birthdays, holidays, or bedtime conversations. Even scary events like typhoons and earthquakes and thunder. Use that. Are you, you're scared with the, with the thunder, but God can protect you. The lightning is so scary, but God is scary, scarier than that. Point them to the greatness, the goodness, the bigness of God. And what else? If you travel to beautiful places, use those opportunities. Tell about your personal stories, especially when your kids are already adults. Tell them of your testimonies and answered prayers. One time, my wife and I were talking about our kids. You know, this was our prayer, and uh, we have a plan for this time of the year, but praise God, God provided, God answered our prayers. So you should keep praying as well. So it's look for those teaching moments, whether they are young or if they are already adults. Talk to them about God, his greatest and goodness. That's the first. And the second, teach them scripture. Romans 10, 17 tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Michelle and I bought our girls a good and uh, easy to read Bible. And by the grace of God, see Chloe, see Achi, finished reading through the Old Testament. I took, uh, I, I, uh, stolen shot. So I took a stolen shot one time that she's reading the Bible. And this, praise God that she finished reading through the New Testament. And, we are encouraged because slowly she read through it and it took her actually nine months to finish because she wants to understand. Now, this is also something that uh, we want to celebrate and yun yung sa wife ko and my kids, uh, our kids this week. And uh, here is another option. Both of, mahili kasi sila magpainting. So we use that also to incorporate part of the uh, homeschool, no? So they drew the seven days of creation. They make Bible verses in colors. And so part of it, they have to memorize it as well. So these are some of their works. These are some of their uh, yeah, opportunities to have fun, to read the Bible, to know God, and at the same time to study. So the point is, be creative. Now, I'm not saying that we are not showing this. I'm not showing this because we are perfect, we are good. No, it's not that. What I'm telling is uh, there are so many things that we are learning. There are so many things that we are trying to experiment on. But it's only by the grace of God that God is working in the hearts of these children. And I encourage you to do the same. Find creative means and creative ways in your own context, in your own capacity, in your own schedule. What's important is we do our best to point them to God, to teach them the scripture, to teach them about who God is. And not only that, we specifically need to tell them God's message of reconciliation. Again, what's the greatest need of our children? It's salvation. It is knowing God. As one pastor said, your top priority as a parent is to be an evangelist in your home. You need to preach you need to teach your children the law of God. Show them their need for a savior. Show them their need for a savior and point them to Jesus Christ as the only one who can save them. If they grow up in your home without a keen awareness of their need for salvation, you have failed as a parent in your primary task as a spiritual leader. Teach them the gospel and ask God to perform his sovereign work of regeneration. Quite heavy responsibility, right? But let me encourage you also, we have to take this word with caution as well. Don't try to force or manipulate your children into praying the sinner's prayer or to profess their faith or, or to go to church. Because in reality, the Bible says no one seeks God. Even our children, they don't want to do anything with God. All we can do is just ask and beg the Lord for his mercy and pray for them and do our best. If there's opportunity, present God. If they sin, I don't want that. If they disrespect you, still show them love. Don't react. Don't reprimand them. This is something that, that we need to be part of our constant battle and constant uh, uh, effort to lead them to Christ. Remember, don't pressure them into being a Christian or, or going to church because the new birth, the re regeneration is, is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
But what we need to do, we just have to be like gardeners, cultivate the environment, till the soil, plant the seed, water, water the plants, remove the weeds, but it is God who will cause the growth. That's what we need to do. And that brings me, that brings us to our third point, which is our limits. Our limits. You see, as fathers and parents, our calling and our message is important. We want our kids to know God. We want to help them to grow and mature holistically. But here is something that we need to understand and embrace. We don't have the ability to change our children. Sabihin mo nga sa katabi mo, or tell it to yourself, we don't have the ability to change our children. We don't have the ability to change them. And it's important to recognize this reality. Why? Because if we think we have the capacity to, to change our children, then we will do whatever thing we think is effective. And we will fail to do what we should uh, do, like prayer. We won't pray, we won't seek the Lord. But then we have to embrace this reality of our limits. Now think about it. When our kids are young, when they disobey, what do you do? You shout, you widen your eyes, you intimidate them and coerce them, follow. I am guilty of that. I grew up in a family wherein we cannot even whine. For every whine, palo. And so I grew up with that mentality. Every, I, for, every, for every problem, the only solution is a hammer. So there's a fly, hammer it. There's a big problem, hammer it. Small problem, hammer it. But we need to learn how to be God's kind of parents. We need to understand our limits. Now, I'm not saying, and please this, don't misunderstand, I'm not saying that we should not spank our children. The Bible is very clear that there's room for that. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children, and those who love their children care enough to discipline them. There's a proper time and place for this. But we need to understand that there's a limit in what we can do and what we cannot do. Because spanking may not necessarily uh, result in changing our children. Again, here's the point. Apart from God, any attempt to change our kids only leads to temporary Temporary external behavior modification. That's the best thing that we could have. And now we are in this dilemma, and what should we do about it? We need to go back to God. We need God's help. Our kids need to be transformed from the inside out. And how to do that? Verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. This passage tells us that it's only in Christ that our children can become new creation. Only Jesus can change our kids at the heart level. Only Christ can change us. And this is something I've experienced personally. When I was five years old, I had a classmate named uh, Mavilin. Her mom is a close friend of ours. And, uh, and one time they visited our home. But of course, we're kids, so nag-away kami, and we, we did not, I, I cannot fully remember what we thought about. But here is what I remembered. As she cried, I kept provoking her to cry. To cry. I was a bully, no? Bad I just, I just provoked her to cry. And we were sitting there, she was sitting there, I was sitting there on the kasi my hallway. I was looking at her, provoking her. And you know what's in my heart? You know, I was so happy. I was so happy that she was crying. There's no compassion, there's no sense of kindness, walang awa eh. It's really delight in the pain of someone. Medyo cute siya, pakinggan, but can't you see the scary reality of my ugly heart? Back then, I did not know Christ. Back then, I saw myself, oh, ngayon, as I reflect back, I saw myself as someone is self-centered, a bully, a heart that is darkened, someone who delights in pain of someone, a heart that is sinful and, that not, and does not please God. That's the scary part. I was five years old. But by the grace of God, my father brought us, our family, to a church. I was eight, nine years old. We attended Sunday school. 
our Sunday school teachers, uh, presented us the gospel. And by God's grace, I surrendered my life to the Lord. And from that day on, I experienced God transforming my heart. He transformed my heart. Of course, I'm makulit pa rin ako, nakikipag-away pa rin ako. But then I started to feel some, some compassion, kindness, and there's something really changed. And it's not because of what uh, I did this on my own, but I saw God's work in my heart. It is God who transformed me from the inside out. So dear parents, this is the reality that our kids need to experience. We don't have the power to create change in our kids. But our job, Paul Tripp said, our job as parents is simple. It's not to create change, but to be a humble and willing instrument in the hands of the one and only the author of change. So right now, let me ask you this question. Are you willing to be God's instrument? Are you willing to humble yourself and say, Lord, yes, I want you to use me. Please use me. Use me to be a God, God's kind of parent, God's kind of fathers to my children. Please help me, Lord. But then, before we can do that, that leads us to our need. Before God can use us, God needs to transform us as well. Before we can be God's ambassador, we need to know who God is and experience himself in our lives. Because how can you point your children to Christ if you don't know Jesus? How can you father in God's way if you don't follow the Lord? And so we need this first step. We need to receive God's invitation. And that is to be reconciled to God. Verse 19 God was in Christ reconciling the world himself, not counting their transgression against them. So then we as ambassadors for Christ, as God is pleading through you, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Dear fathers, dear parents, be reconciled to God. That is the first step. You see, the reality is our children is separated from God and we have that same problem and dilemma. Sin has separated us from God. Sin has made us enemies of God. Sin has made us rebellious. We reject God and we want to rule ourselves, our own way, our own means. But God did not allow us to stay in that path of death and destruction. Instead, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. He lived a perfect life here on earth. He died the death that we deserve. And Christ rose again on the third day to do one thing, so that you and I can be reconciled back to God. Now, God has already opened his heart. He already made his move. And he already extended his hand of love. Now, the question is, what will be your response? Will you receive that gift? I pray that today that you will put your faith in Christ and that you will fully surrender your life to him. And if you do so, his promise is this, that he will no longer count your sin against you. Instead, he will give you eternal life and he will give you his spirit to empower you to live for him, to live for his purpose and glory. Now, if, is this the desire of your heart? Do you want to experience God's reconciliation? Do you want to experience God's love and God's invitation to be part of his family? Now, if you are willing to do that, I invite you to pray this prayer as you sit there in your seats. Just pray this prayer and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Forgive my sins and help me to be reconciled back to God. Starting today, I surrender my life to you. Please give me the grace to follow and serve you wholeheartedly. Give me a new heart and help me to be the father, the parent, and the person you have created me to be. Empower me with your spirit to do what you have called me to do. Thank you, God, for your great love. Amen. This is an invitation. I pray that you consider praying this. And now, if you are already committed in Christ, if you have followed Christ for many years, Use this prayer as a prayer of recommitment to the Lord and say, Lord, from this day on, I want you to rule my life. I want you to use me as your instrument, as your ambassador. 
whether in parenting or being a father or being uh, in the workplace or in the business world or being a teacher, use me for your glory and for the good of others. And now after you have committed your life to God and reconciled to him, we need also to learn to be, how can we be better part of God's family? We need to be fathered and parented by God. You see, we need God to help us by fathering us and learning from him. Verse 14 tells us, for the love of Christ controls us, it compels us, it, uh, it forces us, it, it, it moves us towards a particular direction. Having concluded that one died for all, therefore all died and he died for all, so that they who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You see, it's God's love who enables us so that we can no longer live for themselves, but, for live, but to live for him. It is Christ only who can empower us. And what can we do? What can we, uh, how can we move forward? And how can we experience more of God's love? Let me give you three suggestions and I hope that you in, uh, consider uh, doing this. The first step is spending time with God by reading his word every day, daily devotions. We need to know who God is. We need to know his works, his character. One time I was talking with a young father and said, sabi niya, Pastor Jen, uh, I'm quite afraid because I don't know how to be a father and I have these fears and these things. But I want to follow God. What can I do? Of course, I encourage him, pray for him, but I encourage him, you know, brother, you read the Bible. One good thing to start is the book of Matthew because there Jesus Christ introduced God the Father in, 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 in all of those uh, passages and try to see the character of the Father through that gospel. And the ultimate and the most perfect picture of who the Father is, is our Lord Jesus Christ. So study his life, he study his ways, he study his values, how he interacts, how he treats the needy, those who are, uh, uh, who, who are in pain, those who need comfort. Let us learn from the Lord. And I encourage you to read through the gospels as well. And part of that, as you read and meditate on God's word, think about these questions in particular. Now that you're part of God's family, what are the new set of values and new ways of relating that you need to learn and apply in your life, particularly in parenting? How can I apply these things, the new set of values, the new set, the new ways of relating with our kids? Now I encourage you to do this because now that we have the Spirit of God, this is something that is doable. Before we do not have the Spirit of God, we have no capacity, but now we are new creatures in Christ. God has given us a new spirit and we can do that. I grew up in a family wherein hindi uso yung sorry. If I offend my brother, if they offend me, pakiramdaman, oh, mukhang hindi nagalita, okay na. I don't know what, what's your culture in your family, but I'm learning how I can uh, be more Christ-like to say sorry and, and ask forgiveness if I'm the one who who made that offense and, and, and live humility. And of course, hindi na bully, di ba? Yeah, we, need to, we need to experience that. And not only that, God has not only God given us his word, God has given us his spirit, but also God has given us his people. And so I encourage you to be part of a life group. It's part of being God's community. It's learning together God's word and applying it to our lives, our work, our relationship, our marriage, our parenting, and seasons in life. And I encourage you to be part of that because our church is so big. We cannot know everyone, but being part of a life group, it's a, a place for you to experience the love of God as, you sh as we share our life together, as we share the joy, the pain, our dreams, our hopes, as we celebrate and cry together and carry each other's burden. Now, if you are interested and you want to know more about this, please feel free to approach me or, or the lobby or some of our pastors who are, and we would love to do our best to help you be part of a life group. And now before I close, please allow me to address uh, 
address some of you, especially those children who have a challenging relationship with your fathers. I don't know where you are in terms of your relationship with your father today. If you have a good relationship, then well and good. Praise God for that. And that is something to celebrate and be grateful for. But for some of you, perhaps you are angry or bitter or you are just in pain because of the things you've experienced from him. Maybe your father has hurt you with your words, with his words or with his actions. Maybe he told you or he let you feel that you're not good enough. Your disappointment, you won't amount to anything. I don't know if your father has betrayed you or abandoned your family. Or perhaps maybe he has abused you, taken advantage of you, physically, emotionally. And you have suffered a lot because of what he did or because of what he failed to do. Now, if, if you are in that place, I want, to, I want you to know that my heart goes to you. And I say that with great love and respect. I want you to know that what you experience matters. It is not something trivial. It is not something that you should deny. It is not something that you just put aside and hope it will heal. No, it doesn't work that way. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you right now, I just want you to take that first step towards healing, and that is to acknowledge the pain and the hurt. Just acknowledge the, that and say, Lord God, I, I'm hurting because of what I experienced with my father. I'm in pain because of these things. I encourage you to do that. But here's something very important. As you go through that, as you do that, please don't stay in that pain. Please don't stay there. Don't dig deep and don't, it will be a downward spiral. But I encourage you to move up. How? And that is the next step. And that is to learn to letting go and forgive. Now for some of you, when you say forgive, huh, forgive, no. I don't want to do that. But let me clarify something. You see, this is being part of being fathered and being parented by God. And that is also the ministry of reconciliation that God calls out to live. It says in verse 18, God has given us that ministry of reconciliation. And God invites us to start that reconciliation in our family by forgiving, by letting go. Now let me clarify some more things about forgiveness. What it is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not as if the hurt did not happen, that sad incident did not happen. It is not about forgetting. Forgiveness is about, it's not minimizing the pain. Oh, okay lang yan, ikaw naman sensitive, no, it's not that. Because that pain is real, ang sakit, and God invites us to be real with that and get in touch with that. Now, forgiveness is also not tolerating the wrongdoing. We call sin, sin. We call evil, evil. We call, we call wrong, wrong. That is the truth. And forgiveness is not also blindly trusting your offender immediately. Oh, dapat pagkatiwala mo na siya. Dapat okay niya relationship niyo. Dapat you feel good about that person. No, it's not that. And forgiveness does not exempt the offender from the consequence of the offense. If the consequence has to have that break in relationship or, or, or separation for a while or even going through legal uh, uh, consequences of the offense, that is important. That is part of the process. But what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is letting go of hatred and the desire for revenge. Forgiveness is letting go of hatred and the desire for revenge. But at the same time, considering the, the thing that we've learned about. Now, what do I mean by that? Letting go of hatred and desire for revenge. Verse 19, never taking your own revenge, beloved. Instead, leave room for the wrath of God. It is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, God sees your pain and your hurts, and this is a very serious matter to the Lord. And he himself promised, don't take things in your hand, I will repay, I will avenge. 
So the point, it, the point is God invites us just to let go. Lord, this is my pain. This is my heart. I want to let go. I cannot, I don't feel letting go, but help me. Help me to forgive as Christ has forgiven me. It says there that God did not count our transgression as we deserve it, but Christ saved us and died for us, and God calls us to do the same. But there's a right time also for God's vengeance and justice and the right to be executed. And so, dear friends, dear family, dear fathers, dear parents, rest in the promise of God that he will take care of you, but you just have to surrender to him. Now, the journey towards forgiveness is a process. It may be a long process or it may be a lifelong process for some of you. And for some of you, if necessary, I encourage you to seek help through counseling, to talking to someone and start allowing God to start that healing process in your heart. But you need to make that choice to be God's ambassador, but at the same time to choose to let go and let God do the rest. And now as we close, I want to remind once more our fathers and parents, the task of parenting is that God calls us is not easy. It is messy, it is difficult, it is challenging, discouraging. Sometimes we will have doubts and fears or we will face a sense of failure. Am I doing enough? But don't let those setbacks discourage you. Remember that we are not alone God promised to be with us. God is with us. And so as you parent your kids, as you parent those people under your care, always know that God is with you. And our Heavenly Father invites us so we can learn from Him as a father and we can be a channel of His blessing. Do your best to be God's ambassadors. Do your best to faithfully represent Christ in your home as you raise your kids. Remember, parenting is not about making our children our personal trophies to display our egos. It's about being God's ambassadors. And God wants to use us as his instrument to help our children grow and mature in life and godliness and to become more like Christ. <laughs>